the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome to Healing Habits Now with Dr. John Duong of the Holistic Health Center. You know, it's an interesting and perhaps troubling new research just published by the Centers for Disease Control. This has come out in the last 30 days, revealing alarming new numbers in American health, or perhaps better put, the lack thereof. In the arena of pain and pain management, fully 21% of Americans now report suffering from chronic pain. 21%. That's nearly a quarter of the U.S. population. But wait, another 8% have been diagnosed with what doctors are calling high-impact chronic pain. Without regard to what the source of your pain might be, here's what I can tell you, because you can tell us even better. You suffer from it every day. It oftentimes debilitating to the point where you find just day-to-day tasks and responsibilities at home or at work become nearly impossible to complete. And worse yet, for weeks, months, maybe years, you've sought solutions and unfortunately have found no answers. Dr. Duong, wow, 21%? Yes. And we're up to almost 30% of Americans, if we add in that 8 percentile dealing with high-impact chronic pain, this is becoming almost a pandemic. Yes. A lot of people are living in in pain. The worst part of it is that when they have pain, that you don't have the quality of life that you truly deserve. That's what we put on earth for, to live better, live longer, and to live happier so that we can serve There's been talk in recent months about addressing the pandemic that is taking place with opioid abuse. And a lot of people think, well, people are just doing this for um, so-called recreational drug use purposes. But from these new numbers out of the CDC, it sounds to me like a big part of this is in a failed attempt at pain management that, quite frankly, a good percentile of Americans are not living life to its fullest, not really able to function because the degree of pain through which they must survive every day is just unmanageable. That's why I'm here. I'm here to give people hope. You don't have to live in pain if you follow the right pathway. If you follow in there, uh, a pathway that just masking the problem, of course, the pain will continue and continues to get worse. But if you're following the right pathway of the body has the ability inside you to heal, you can get better. Because that's why I'm here to share this message so people who are in pain or people who have any chronic disease, there's always hope so that you can get better. I'm here to share with you my knowledge. You know, ironically, we know that in many miraculous ways, the body does have a natural way of healing itself. If you cut yourself on a paper cut, maybe within a day or two, that begins to heal up. The body has the ability to regenerate cells. 
it's incredible if we allow the body to do and function as God designed it to. Exactly. Just how healthy we can be. But the problem is that lack of knowledge. What scriptures say, my people suffer for lack of knowledge. You've brought a very special guest with you here today. Uh, introduce us, would you please? Yeah, this is Michelle, and she's one of the, um, my patients. And then she's very kind enough to come to the station and share this information with the audience. Our goal is to give people hope you don't have to suffer through with pain or to any chronic disease. Marshall, thank you for being with us today. And we had a chance to visit briefly uh, before we came on the broadcast today. You were sharing with me that you've been dealing with chronic pain in a variety of arenas, almost to the point of being debilitating for the better part of a decade, a decade and a half now. Tell us a bit about what's been going on. Um, being a longtime sufferer of migraines for actually 20 years and then dealing with chronic pain issues for the past decade and a half, about 15 years, it had been very difficult to function by the time I got to Dr. Duong. And I did find myself having to come off work just because it was such an overwhelming situation where pain was a daily circumstance for me. One that was just unable, I wasn't able to manage it anymore and was quite hopeless. You mentioned chronic fatigue to me when, before mm-hmm. we came on the air today, uh, dealing with inflammation, uh, migraine headaches that you just referred to, and, and practically speaking, almost every part of your body aching. It sounds like for a long time, you just kind of pushed through the pain, did the best that you could, but it eventually became to the point where, as you suggest, was debilitating. Yes, very much so. Um, Having a high tolerance for pain, it became my norm. But then my body started responding to the fact that it couldn't function at that level of pain It reached the breaking point. Exactly. And literally um, had to just come off work and rest and try and heal. And pursuing traditional medicine... I did that on a regular basis, but never had any resolve for the issues that I was dealing with. It would mask the so symptoms, but not, not as if you it. were sitting at home on the couch just oh, dealing no. with the pain. <laughs> so you sought out doctors. Yes. They gave you examinations. They yes. probably prescribed a whole yes. apothecary of medication yes. and no results? No results. Dermatologists, rheumatologists, osteopathic doctors, general practitioners, um, physical therapists. All of that point where I had probably about 10 different prescriptions that I was on when I first came to Dr. Duong just two and a half months ago. And Dr. Duong, how typical is this for patients that come to see you like Marshall that are dealing with chronic pain that has gone out over years and years? They've sought medical relief. They've been prescribed medication. And instead of getting results that seem to suggest that like in her case, she's improving. In fact, over the years, she's actually gotten worse. Is this common? It's very common because, we, like I said earlier, you have to follow the right pathway. The pathway of masking the, your symptoms with like, uh, medications, that's not the healing pathway. You have to understand the body mechanism, allowing the body to heal naturally. That's the right pathway of healing. That's what God designed us for, the healing from within. 
So the approach then in your practice is very different then from what many are familiar with. Again, go in, doctor, it hurts here when I do this. The doctor either says, well, don't do that, or here, let me prescribe you some medication, almost as if to suggest if you're going in to receive pain pills, for example, to deal with chronic lower back pain or maybe neck pain or uh, the results of anything from arthritis to thyroid disease and all of that that can accompany it, that we just need more pills because somehow we have a pill deficiency. But that really is a very uh, awkward way of approaching it. You're suggesting that we really need to look at this from a natural standpoint because the body is designed to be able to heal if we can only take it down the right path. Is that essentially what you're saying? Yes. The body can heal, period. But there's always pattern. So you need to recognize the patterns so, so, um, from patient's symptoms. Why do people, patients say, if they have a chronic conditions like thyroid, diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, any autoimmune, any kind of, kind of um, chronic disease or chronic pain, there's a pattern. First is that sleep. Can you fall asleep? Can you stay asleep? Do you wake up in the middle of the, the night and your brain are raising? There's always the reason. So sleeping is something that we need to help the patient to solve. The second is the diet. Are they eating the right food? Everyone knows about gluten. Even some people, they even try to cut off gluten for like six months or half a year, but it doesn't seem to be very effective. Initially, it helps, but two months or three months later, it doesn't seem to be effective. Diet, one of the things that I discovered that really helps to understand the diet portion is genetic testing. Once we identify the genetic, where's your genetic weakness in terms of like a gluten, okay, and in terms of your probiotic, in terms of your vitamin D. So that's, those are all lead into the inflammatory process. But one of the most important thing is that even the food that you think that is good for you can be harmful to you. Hmm. For example, spinach, tomatoes, avocados. Why? They, those are all good food, but it's good to other people. Maybe not to yourself because you're genetic, you have a um, histamine breakdown issue. So we need to identify genetics to help the patient to have put in the right food into the system. And then there's other things that we test. like We test for 55 genes to understand the mechanism of the body. And then there's also the, uh, the pattern of the gut, the digestive tract, right? We are understand 80% of the immune system is where it's in the gut. The pattern is that in the gut. So are you digesting your food? Do you have any constipation, any diarrhea, any bloatedness when you eat? So we need to understand that because we need to heal the gut and feed the gut with the good probiotic. So this way, that, that would give the gut the better chance to heal. And, and clearly, there's something going on that's triggering the system, like in the case as you've taught us in, in past programs of like arthritis, which is at the core in auto immune problem. If the body is somehow now attacking itself, it's misidentified the enemy. And as a result now, we're suffering from chronic pain, inflammation, the joints. And and you had gone through some of that, Marcelle, as well, I guess. Oh, most definitely. I had been diagnosed with um, psoriatic arthritis. So definitely dealing with the pain from that inflammation, insomnia, um, pre-diabetic, all of those things had very all of the sensitivities to avocado, spinach, and everything, and didn't know why. Yeah. And coming from a history where my mother died from Lou Gehrig's disease, when I walked into Dr. Duong's office, that was where I thought I was headed, mm-hmm. literally. 
That must uh, have been terrifying for you. Definitely. Knowing so. the family history and the way you had been feeling. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Oh. So being able to identify what the core root issues were and then have a solution that was viable, took some work. Uh, I cheated on my diet a couple of times <laughs> and felt the results of that, but I have learned my lesson. So um, it has been very renewing as far as giving me hope. You're listening to Healing Habits now with Dr. John Duong of the Holistic Health Center. More information available by going to healinghabitsnow.com. That's healinghabitsnow.com or by calling 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Don't forget, for a limited time, Dr. Duong is giving a very special opportunity for the first eight callers that qualify. You'll receive a consultation Regularly a $287 value for just $47. This is available to the first eight callers to 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Or by visiting online, healinghabitsnow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. You're listening to Healing Habits Now with Dr. John Duong of the Holistic Health Center. More information available by going to healinghabitsnow.com. That's healinghabitsnow.com or by calling 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Don't forget, for a limited time, Dr. Duong is giving a very special opportunity for the first eight callers that qualify. You'll receive... A consultation, regularly a $287 value for just $47. This is available to the first eight callers to 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Or by visiting online, healinghabitsnow.com. There's a remarkable side of this story, and we mentioned at the onset that some of what you've been dealing with health-wise dates back 15, 20 years over that course of time, Dr. Duong, that Marshall has gone and seen doctors and been prescribed medication and gone through all of it. No improvement. In fact, if anything, your situation grew worse over time. And then she came and saw you. You engaged in genetic testing. You began looking at where she at health-wise, how is the body processing the food, et cetera, et cetera. And now, remarkably, in not 20 years to come and begin seeing results, but in barely just over two months, she's beginning to see some results. And is it fair enough to say that for you, this is the first time in your recollection that you felt this pain-free? Is that fair? Yes. (laughs) The first time in a long time and didn't even think this was possible. I, I walked in open for whatever suggestions could be made so that I could feel just a modicum of better. Now, a lot of doctors at this point, they say to us, well, you're at that age. Exactly. And we, we <laughs> think that we just have to embrace the pain because right. we think this is normal. But you're suggesting, Dr. Duong, that this this kind of pain and the life that poor Marcel was dealing with was not normal. It's not, it's not normal. We don't have to live in pain. 
our body has the capacity to heal as much as we can, but don't damage it. Don't wait until that you have it damaged and then come and, uh, come and get some treatment. So once she came in, met with you, you ran through a panel of tests. Yes. What were the results of those tests, and how did you begin to then give her direction to change her lifestyle? Look at her, her weakness. Where is her weakness in her genetic? So once we know the genetic weaknesses, so now uh, we can give the body the right supplement at the right time for the right conditions. So that's how genetic information would able to uh, help us to identify where's the weakness. So now we put them in the right foot, now the body can heal. It's not very complicated. It's very simple. We just need to have the heart. We need to have the faith and deliver the hope. And the good the news is that the, the, the hard part God already did, right? We just have to follow the right prescription based on the way he wants us to live, the way he wants us to eat, proper diet. And as you do that and make some of these changes, the proof, as they say, is in the pudding. Definitely. So it can seem very overwhelming because when you're dealing with those types of chronic issues for so long, you you just are hopeless But when you're given a very simplistic way of doing it, and not only simplistic, but encouraging, where you actually can succeed in it, it just makes all of the difference in the world. And, Marshall, two and a half months in, you're already seeing marked, measurable results. Over years of having dealt with it, embraced the pain, if I can say that, or at the very least pushed through it to do what you needed to do, busy working, your your husband's in full-time ministry, you're involved in ministry, you've got kids. There's just, there's a lot going on. You push through the pain, but I would suspect in a lot of that, there probably wasn't much joy, was there? No, and that became very discouraging in living a life where you feel it's set apart for God and you're serving him and you don't understand why this is going on. Um, It became a stewardship issue, though, for me too, as well, in the sense of taking care of the temple that God has given me, and paying attention to what it needed in order for it to be used the way he had purposed me to use. Were there moments where you were prepared to just kind of give up or that you felt as if God had kind of abandoned you? Oh, yes, most definitely. Along with all of this chronic pain, anxiety, stress, and depression were a huge portion of it. And literally just being overwhelmed and consumed by the fact that well, I guess this is my plight, and this is what I'm looking at. Literally, the day I walked into Dr. Duong's office, I was counting down the years um, in comparison to my mother's life that I had left. Knowing that your mother was diagnosed and eventually passed away from ALS must have been terrifying for you. It was terrifying in the sense of I only found out two weeks prior to her death that she had the disease, and she had only been diagnosed eight months prior. So it wasn't the typical situation, but what I've heard from so many doctors is we've never seen that before. Mm-hmm. We don't know what to do with that. You're an anomaly. We we don't. We'll give you the protocol, but it's you know we just have to try and see if that's going to work, and it was not successful. And the the fear of potentially not being around to see mm-hmm. kids get married, grandkids, all of that that must have really hurt your heart. It did hurt my heart, and to the point of acceptance, well, I guess I won't see my grandkids. I guess I won't be able to continue on living a legacy of righteousness, which is what I was hoping to do. 
and started actually looking at what do I need to do in these last years that I have because I don't think there's any resolve to any of this. Wow. And Dr. Duong, we started in talking about the new CDC numbers. 21% of Americans in chronic pain, 8% on top of that diagnosed with high-impact chronic pain. And I would imagine for a lot of those people that sense, as Marshall had, of just being hopeless. I, I just... I have to push through. I do the best that I can, but I don't see any hope, and there's no joy. That's That sounds like it must be very typical for sufferers of chronic pain. Yes. The hope is in God. He gives us the perfect body to heal, so there's always hope, and just continue to have faith and take actions so that you can get better because what I want to do is that hope is always there take actions, you can get better. And since beginning to develop for yourself these new healing habits, changing lifestyle, changing diet, having the guidance of Dr. Wong, and of course the genetic testing that gave you a better sense of the picture of what's going on, the results in the last two and a half months for you, what, what is that like? What is your life like today, two and a half months later, from the day you walked in to Dr. Wong's office thinking, I have this family history. No one said it to me yet, but I have a sense that this picture is not going to end very well, and it's going to end much more rapidly than I could have ever in my worst nightmares thought of. From that moment to where you're at today, how has life changed for you? Oh, life has changed tremendously, as I said, beyond my expectations in the sense of when I first came to him, on 10 different prescriptions. Um, today, I'm only on three of those, and the third one is a half a dose of what it was before. Um, dealing with issues as far as the psoriatic arthritis, the autoimmune issues where my body was literally attacking itself, insomnia where I couldn't sleep. I'm sleeping better. I'm eating better. I've dropped a size as far as clothing, and so I'm looking different. I have more energy. I'm exercising now, which I hated exercising before because it hurt all that so pain, bad. Of course. It just hurt so bad. Yeah. But now actually feeling rejuvenated from being able to energize my body through exercise and breathing. And Dr. Duong, I'm curious. Of course, you have patients all over the Bay Area. You've got a long history of helping people like Marshall address the health challenges that they're facing and establish a new healthier habit, a new healthier pattern. If this is where she's at today in just two and a half months' time, where do you see her six months or a year from now in terms of the ongoing health progress? She's going to enjoy life much better and able to contribute and serve. The most important thing that we put on this earth is to get ourselves better so that we can serve other people and that's what it is. And the most important thing is not only that you do the right things, but the most important thing is continue to do all the right things. That's why we name and we are still start branding our name is called Healing Habits. That's why we call it healinghabitsnow.com. So it's the habits that we create for the patients. Any chronic disease, any physical pain, we believe the solution is inside your body. Together, we create a healing habit so your, your body, your mind, and your soul can heal from within. As a result, we live a better quality life to serve. 
And as we see in Scripture, God doesn't want us to just simply survive, but to thrive. Mm -hmm. Yes. And she's going to be around for all those grandkids, 20 or 30 or 40 of them maybe. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Maybe maybe 30 or 40 is a bit much. That'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to need energy for that, won't you? Yes, definitely. Well, Marshall, we sure appreciate you coming in today to share your story with our listeners. And uh, Dr. Duong, I want to mention again for the benefit of listeners, they'd like to get more information. They can call you at area code 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Or get more information online at healinghabitsnow.com. That's healinghabitsnow.com. She is a walking miracle. Yes, she did all the right things, even though there's a certain time that she cheated on the food that she's not uh, supposed to eat. I said, don't be so negative. Just learn from it. It's always positive. Always has a positive thoughts in your mind. Learn from it and continue to thrive. The good news is we serve a God of second chances. Information again on the web at HealingHabitsNow.com. That's HealingHabitsNow.com. Dr. John Duong, along with Marshall, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks, Marshall. Thanks, Wade. You're listening to Healing Habits Now with Dr. John Duong of the Holistic Health Center. More information available by going to HealingHabitsNow.com. That's HealingHabitsNow.com. Or by calling 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Don't forget, for a limited time, Dr. Duong is giving a very special opportunity for the first eight callers that qualify. You'll receive... A consultation, regularly a $287 value for just $47. This is available to the first eight callers to 510-818-1668. That's 510-818-1668. Or by visiting online, healinghabitsnow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Uh, somewhat innocuous sounding or obnoxious as the case may be sounding bit of music might seem to have come from some major Hollywood spectacle or maybe even serve as a great theme song for this show some days but in fact it is the theme from one of the best selling video games of all time Call of Duty and I've always marveled at those that will talk about what a wonderful teaching tool that computers can be or television and that children can watch a program like uh, Nat Geo and come back with all kinds of great facts and having expanded their horizons and understanding of life and the world and how engaging the computer can be as an educational tool and yet out of the very same mouths will come well there's no influence whatsoever of violent video games on children how can you dare even suggest such a thing well which is it going to be folks 
can media, in particular television and interactive uh, uh, games and so forth, can they teach children or are they not teachers at all? Joining me now with some insights is Dr. Jane Anderson. She served for many years as a pediatrician at Mount Zion Center for uh, UCSF. And uh, Dr. Anderson, always a delight and an education to have you join us on the program. Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> what, what about this debate? I, I just I never have quite understood, Dr. Anderson, how we can out of one side of our mouth suggest that television and computers are a wonderful teaching tool and the other one say that they at the same time have no influence on children who will spend sometimes hundreds of hours over the course of a month engrossed in violent video games that have no other purpose than racking up points killing people. Exactly. It's sort of why why do companies spend two point five, you know, million dollars for a thirty second commercial on the Super Bowl if they don't think it's going to influence our behavior. Precisely. So there the interesting thing for me is that there is so much new information on brain research. And researchers are now using brain scanning tools such as MRIs to evaluate children and teenagers uh, before and after and sometimes during um, the time that they're playing video games to see what happens. So we now have real brain data that shows that areas of our brain that are linked to desensitization to violence are activated during violent video games. We have more longitudinal studies that show us that children who play more video games are more likely to engage in violent behavior. And it doesn't mean that every child who plays video games is going to end up more aggressive, but it certainly plays into the tendencies, and there are a lot of reasons for it. Um, Violence uh, during video games is not just learned and demonstrated, it is repetitively practiced over and over again until you get it right. And then that violence is rewarded, so you get, um, you get to uh, go to higher levels or you get expanded tools of violence, so you get rewarded for your behavior. And, um, and so the violence becomes justified and it becomes, quote, fun. And then worse than that, it's what we call many of the games, like Call of Duty, Mortal Kombat, others, Doom. They are first-person player video games. In other words... When we think of Pac-Man, it was like take a you know take a joystick and make the you know little Pac-Man guy move. Um, you weren't actually Pac-Man, but the first-person player games, you are actually the player, and you see the world through the player's eyes. And that's why um, some of the school shooters had never held guns before. The kids in um, I believe it was Mississippi, had in Pearl, Mississippi. That student had never held a gun before, but he'd practiced on video games, and so he was able to have direct hits to students who were running, but he got them with one shot and killed them, which is, you know, better than most, you know, police agencies or soldiers can do, but he'd been practicing. Well, and we've seen cases where military, including our own, um, are, are extremely interested in talking to uh, potential recruits who have very high marks in video gaming because these same individuals who, as you point out, often have no experience shooting an actual weapon whatsoever, and yet when the gun is put into their hands for the first time, 
demonstrate remarkable levels of marksmanship. Why? Because the ability to load, reload, aim, and so forth, they've practiced all of that sometimes thousands and times over. I mean, in often cases, uh, Dr. Anderson, I would imagine, just in terms of overall experience, albeit not with a real weapon, but still, their level of experience is equal to or exceeds even what the police get on the firing range. Oh, sure. I mean, they're... One of the studies is from 2004, so it's old now, but boys between 8 and 13 years of age were playing 13 hours a week of video games, and most of those are violent. So although not all video games are violent, 10 of the top 20 game sellers are violent, and it is a multi-billion dollar industry, $11.7 billion um, we're spending, so I always like to tease and say, don't tell me we don't have enough money to do X, Y, Z. Excellent point. You make reference to a number of these studies that are out there, the growing body of evidence that suggests that, of course, there's a connection to violence after they've seen and been programmed uh, by this kind of so-called entertainment. I'm curious to find out what the brainwave activity is showing And most importantly, what needs to be the warning word here? Even after the heels of events like Sandy Hook, we're teaching our children that violence is entertainment. In real life, when we engage in wars that we do, we teach our children that that's the way adults settle disputes. And then when our kids grow up and turn the guns on us or act out violently against us, we wonder what happened to little Johnny that maybe because he wasn't breastfed as a child, he's acting this way. We've trained these kids to behave like this. Why are we, as a society, surprised? Rhetorical question. Better put, what can we who understand it and get it do to overcome all of this? We'll continue with more of our conversation with Dr. Jane Anderson as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. So the um, five or six billion dollar a year video gaming industry says that their um, their entertainment has no influence on children and violent activity whatsoever. Of course, they would probably have um, upwards of five, six billion reasons why they would say that. Dr. Jane Anderson with us today with a bit contrarian insight on this topic. Dr. Anderson, you mentioned about this growing body of evidence, and I know there have literally been thousands of studies that have tied in uh, the, the impact of prolonged exposure to violent video games and the degree to which children who have a history of that as a form of entertainment, acting out in aggressive behavior, involvement in a violent manner with the authority, so on and so forth. What's the response to all of this? What should it be? I mean, we've been talking about this for years and years and years. Outside of parents waking up to certain realities, is it time for the government to begin interceding here and saying, you know what, just like we won't allow kids to see certain classifications of movies, we're not going to allow them to engage in certain classifications of violent video games? Well, you know, um, as much as I'm a conservative politically and I don't like government intrusion generally, um, I think if we compare it to, uh, just like you said, you know, if we compare it to like accessing alcohol or pornography or going into an X-rated movie, I think we can set some limits on children and adolescents. They are still under 
adult sort of authority and, and I hate to use the word control, but should be <laughs> under control. So I think, yes, you know, California tried it. We, they passed a law to uh, limit the um, access of teenagers to <clears throat> the most mature rating or the most violent um, video games, but it was defeated by the Supreme Court as a right to um, freedom of speech. Um, but I think if we can limit, you know, sale of, of pornography, I think we can limit the sale of violent video games. But I really would encourage parents, um, until that time, <laughs> uh, they really have to be aware of um, the, the violence in the video games. And a lot of times it's not noticeable at the lower levels. If they're sitting next to their, you know, uh, teenager, they need to see, well, what's at the higher levels? And I want to really point out to all parents that boys are so susceptible. Uh, the way the boys' brains develop and their exposure to, to testosterone in utero at 12 weeks gestation, their brains develop differently, and they learn by competition and repetition. And that's exactly what video games are. So they're much more likely to become addicted and be influenced by the video games. So... For everybody, limit them, but especially for boys. And, you know, even parents of toddlers out there, the parents of toddlers who are listening and you're probably thinking, oh, well, you know, my kid's not affected by this. You know, you're handing them your iPad, your iPhone to keep them entertained, you know, while you're in the car or at the doctor's office, and you are teaching them that screen time is entertaining and you're not doing what we, we used to do as parents, talking to them while you're, you know, in the car and playing word games and I spy out the window and, you know, helping them be creative and problem solve. And when they're at home, get outdoors and do things outdoors. There's so much that of life that our children are missing out on because um, they're, they're indoors playing video games. So I'd really encourage parents to be aware, keep computers, video games, consoles, everything out of the kids' bedrooms. We have documented evidence that children who have computers and TVs and games and stuff in their bedrooms, they do worse in school, they have more problems with obesity, they sleep less, they have more behavioral problems. It's like there are things that parents can do. You know, and the other thing that dawns on me is you were sharing the notion of not engaging children in, in the healthy way, that the kids of my generation, we had no choice. None of this stuff existed in those days. I think we barely had the electric light. Uh, but we, we tend to then train kids to be very inward-looking as opposed to outward-looking. There, there's no sense of wonder and awe about the world around them. It's all limited to, you know, the 13-inch diagonally measured screen of the computer in front of them. And, you know, I, I think that, that that, you know, not only leads to a tremendous degree of, of, of a false, distorted, sort of just two-degree, uh, two-dimensional, rather, view of the world uh, in spite of the best efforts at 3D. But, but then, too, Dr. Anderson, I mean, isn't there a degree to which there is a chemical high that kids get off of this, not just as they're advancing and they're making more points and they're able to, you know, engage in, in, in more points for more kills and things of this sort. But aren't we kind of – there's got to be sort of a, a brain chemical reaction to engaging in this violence through a video game. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, that's, that's where addictions come in, and there are definitely, you know – Teenagers who, and, and young, especially young, young, men, young men who are addicted to video games. And the addiction comes from the pleasurable response. And unfortunately, 
there's there's like a gate in our brain and it's only going to let through certain sensations so for instance if i'm sitting here i'm not paying attention necessarily to where my feet are or what smells are in the room or whatever the brain um determines what is sensational what is new what is innovative and creative and it lets those sensations through which is why you have to have sort of different more creative worse violence at the higher levels using worse vet weapons because that keeps that excitement and that adrenaline going and it allows your brain to take in that sensation and then it stimulates your dopaminergic system and um, that's what contributes to this need for more and more. No, just as much as we see the same thing played out in real life that oftentimes children who engage or, or adults who engage in violent behavior then do new, need to go higher and higher exactly. and higher in order to re- receive sort of the, the same kind of uh, chemicals uh, in, in enjoyment out that's of it. That's exactly right. So it ought to be easy for parents to connect the dots, folks. So let's start connecting the dots. Now, urging our government at the state level and federal level to start putting bans and restrictions and tighter controls on this, age restrictions, things of that sort is very important. But I guess at the end of the day, uh, Dr. Anderson, it really comes down to the parents, doesn't it? It really does. And the video game industry does have ratings on the video game. So pay attention, you know, look on the box. You know, does it say E for everyone or does it say M for mature audiences only? And it will say on there if it's sexual, if it's violent, if it's, you know, um, if there's foul language, it'll say on there. So look and read. Um, Teenagers tell you their parents might set rules for the TV viewing, but they don't set rules for video game playing. Well, set some rules and set some guidelines. Meet with the teenagers hey, what do you think you're doing when you're, you're playing video games? What, be, what activities are you not participating in? Oh, you know, you're not outdoors exercising and playing on a team. And boys, by the way, learn so much about the real world by playing on a sports team. So, you know, get your, and girls do too, but boys more so, get your guys out there playing, um, you know, reading, being creative. You know, it used to be kids would go outdoors and create the rules to a game, and they'd be creative. You know, you be this, I'll be that. And now it's just, you know, I'll sit here and sit side by side with my friend, and we'll both, you know, play video games together. It's like, no, there are so many wonderful alternatives, and the evidence is overwhelming in so many arenas of life, whether it's the physical development of the child, the emotional development, the cognitive development, even developing empathy and compassion, our brains develop that by looking at someone else's facial expression. Well, you can't see those changes when you're in front of a screen. How far we've come from the day and age when I was a kid and they couldn't get us to come back indoors, and today we can't get them to go outdoors. Our thanks to Dr. Jane Anderson for being with us in this segment of Lifeline. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.